In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Perhaps we can begin this period of prayer by listening to some encouragement from a very good guide in the life of prayer, and that is Saint Francis de Sales, who taught countless people to pray. And you could say he continues to teach countless people to pray through his spiritual classic, Introduction to the Devout Life. And I, let's just listen to something he says there uh, about prayer. And that might help us to enter into a profound meditation, a close conversation with, with the Lord Jesus. Francis de Sales tells us, I specially recommend mental prayer and the prayer of the heart. In particular, meditation on the life and passion of our Lord. By often looking upon him, your soul will be filled with him and you will understand the dispositions of his heart and model your actions on his. By keeping close to him and observing what he says and does and the desires of his heart, we will learn, with the help of his grace, to speak and act like him, just as children learn to speak by listening and chattering to their mother. Let us always remain close to him, for it is certain that we cannot reach God the Father except through this door. You, Lord Jesus Christ, you reveal all we need to know. You are the one word with a capital W that we all really need to hear. Jesus, in his person, in his life, in his mysteries, in his words, in his personality, if we can put it like that. You, Jesus, are the perfect answer to every question and concern that occupies me right now. We could say, as we begin this meditation, you know, we could make our own the profession of faith of St. Peter that day at the synagogue in Capernaum when he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? For you have words of eternal life. So we could ask the Holy Spirit um, as we enter into prayer to help us to be with Christ, to help us to let Christ be with us. This doesn't go, go without saying because we can often be preoccupied or distracted or maybe a bit less than diligent when it comes to prayer. We do need grace. We do need 
the help of the Holy Spirit, his strength, his light, his inspiration. And we know that the Holy Spirit's mission is to lead us to Christ, and, and even more than that, to form Christ in us. He gives us the light and the strength to really follow Jesus Christ. So we ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love so that we can contemplate Jesus and thus attain fullness of life. The Second Vatican Council says that you, Jesus, are, the Council says, the fullness and sum total of revelation. Like everything that God wants to say to us, to reveal to us about himself, is Christ. We know, Lord, that we can detect your presence and meet you and in a certain sense love you too through creation. You know, the, you might say the unwritten word, the unwritten letter, the unwritten communication of God is creation. The world is charged with the grandeur of God, Hopkins says. Well, that's just a profession of Christian faith. We meet you, Lord, in all of creation and perhaps in a special way in people. We meet you, Jesus. St. Maria points this out in the way. We meet you in a special way in children, those who are innocent, who are close to you. And we meet you in a special way in the sick. Because Christ crucified, Christ suffering, Christ in his passion and in his resurrection is in the sick. We meet you, Lord, in our work. We meet you, Lord, in the cosmos, in the beauty of creation. We meet you also, obviously, in scripture, in divine revelation, supernatural revelation, as opposed to natural revelation. And the beginning of the letter to the Hebrews talks about this, if you like, progressive, gradual revelation of God uh, to mankind. The very beginning of the letter to the Hebrews says, in many and various ways, God spoke of old through the prophets. But in these latter times, he has spoken to us in his son, in his son. So Jesus, when I look upon you, when I gaze upon you, when I seek the intimacy of your real presence in this moment of prayer, I am beholding everything that God wants to say to me and to us. You are the fullness and sum total of revelation. You are the word with a capital W. And I want to say with scripture, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. You have the message of eternal life. So as Francis de Sales reminds us, every aspect, every little gesture, in a sense, of our Lord reveals God to us and helps us to be identified with God through the Son and in the Son, in Jesus. And today's feast of the transfiguration of the Lord is, of course, no exception. It's an immensely rich mystery. Even in a half hour of meditation, we wouldn't even begin to unpack it, as it were. And yet, we can meditate on it in our own time, in our own way. In the Gospel for today's feast from St. Luke, we're told, Jesus took Peter, John and James 
and went up a mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance and his clothing became dazzling white. Jesus, we realize that you like mountains. God, in fact, likes mountains. We see that in, in Revelation all over the place, in Scripture. In the Old Testament, it's on the Mount of Horeb that the living and true God reveals himself to Moses in the burning bush. It's on a mountain. And so often, Lord Jesus, we see you up on the mountains, the Mount of the Beatitudes, where you, where you give us the secret for happiness and for holiness, the Beatitudes. We see you, Lord, quite often on, on the Mount of Olives, where we know that you went there often with your, with your apostles to be with them, to instruct them, to love them, to be with them. We see you on the Mount of Olives in your agony, in your free self-giving to the Passion, for love of us. We see you, Lord, on the Mount of Calvary, opening your arms on the cross to embrace the whole of creation and each one of us, always the mountain. We see you again, Lord, on the mountain uh, from which you ascend into heaven, Mount Olivet, and from which you send the apostles and all of us out to preach the gospel. So our Lord seems to have a particular liking for mountains. Maybe it's no surprise that Croke Patrick is a holy mountain associated with the penance and prayer of our greatest apostle in Ireland who, who went from there and set fire, you might say, to people's hearts, the mountain. We can't, I suppose, dwell on this uh, without coming to the conclusion that we too need to go up the mountain of the Lord. Um, we too need to, if you like, ascend. What I mean by that is that every day you and I would rise up through, a, I suppose, an exercise of recollection, of silence, of prayer, and rise up the mountain of the Lord. It could be simply in the midst of our work, even in a very in a very busy place, to withdraw into our souls, to encounter the living God in grace, in faith, and kind of go up the mountain of the Lord there. Or even more so when we're brought together for the liturgy. Our Lord calls us up the mountain of prayer into his sacred mysteries. The liturgy is above all. Um, an invitation to a divine action as the Holy Father's recent document on the liturgy is entitled Desiderio Desideravi those words from the Last Supper with a desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer the Lord calls us draws us into the divine mysteries the liturgy is not a man-made invention it's not a human activity primarily it's Opus Dei uh, that use of the term opus Dei, which is very ancient and refers to the liturgy. It's the work of God. We need those mountains in, in our daily lives. The mountain of prayer, the mountain of communion with God. It doesn't take us away from the sanctification of the ordinary. It doesn't make us abstract or 
um, what's the word? Absent-minded. I mean, at least not any more absent-minded than we already are, just in our way of being. Rather, the more we ascend the mountain of prayer, of contemplation, of communion with Christ, the more we tend to be immersed in and loving and savouring the reality of our real lives. So, yes, Lord Jesus, you, you love mountains. We want to love them too in our own way. Jesus went up a mountain to pray. While he was praying, his face changed in appearance and his clothing became dazzling white. Prayer transforms our Lord. I mean, the transfiguration uh, is primarily a mystery of prayer, as Pope Benedict pointed out in his different meditations on the transfiguration. It's a mystery of prayer. Um, and prayer transforms our Lord in the presence of the apostles. And they realize that you, Lord Jesus, are truly God, true man and true God. And prayer also transforms us. That's why it's important to persevere in prayer, because we all suffer the temptation of thinking that prayer is useless. You know, our faith will often be, well, may often be attacked or undermined. And so what's the point in praying? Um, where's the strength in people who pray? But of course, prayer is is the real strength in the history of the world because to pray is to enter into and share in that dialogue of the Trinity, of Jesus with the Father in the Holy Spirit, which is what we see in the Transfiguration. And that prayer always transforms the person. I remember somebody who said, I can always tell about a person whether they pray or not, just by looking at them sort of thing. Um, maybe he's right, maybe he has a point, maybe maybe not, maybe not just by looking at somebody, but once you get to know somebody, maybe you detect in that person um, the richness of a, a living friendship with God. I remember a few years ago, a, a university student saying that one day, all of a sudden, in his lecture hall, uh, one of his classmates came up to him and she was facing into a very severe crisis. She was going through a really, really difficult moment. And she turned to him for advice and support. And this young fellow, this student, was kind of musing, like, why did she come to me? I mean, it's not as though we were particularly good friends. She didn't hang around with me particularly. Why did she come to me? I mean, I, I don't know why that girl went to him. I know that, that he helped her a lot and the crisis was averted and turned out in a really, really good way. But I suspect that she went to him because he is a man of prayer. And she detected, however consciously or unconsciously, she realized that in this man, in this person, in this classmate of mine, there is more. In this person, there is hope. In this person, there is depth and substance and direction, I suppose, the direction she was seeking. 
Prayer transforms us. Prayer transforms us. In his prayer in the Transfiguration, Christ is transformed in the presence of the apostles. Maybe in this prayer, you and I can ask our Lord, each one of us in our own way, Lord, what are you saying to me in this prayer? How do you want me to grow? What would you like me to do? Our Lord speaks to us all the time and transforms us in his own way. I was at a talk recently, a very interesting talk. And the priest who was giving the talk just shared a story uh, of a true event that happened recently. Uh, he was called to see um, an enclosed nun who was dying. Dying from a, a very debilitating disease that gradually was taking away all her faculties one after the other. And also her capacity to communicate was diminishing all the time. And when he went in to see her, he said, um, the people who were accompanying her and the other nuns, they were all a bit puzzled because the only way she could communicate was just by the barest bit of writing. And she kept drawing an X on a piece of paper, an X. And they couldn't work out what she was saying. And when the priest came in, she pointed at him and pointed to the X like with an expectation that he would understand what she was trying to communicate. And for a while he was really, he was stymied, he had no idea really. X, no, uh, you're saying no, uh, you don't want this. Uh, no, she kept shaking her head, that wasn't what she was trying to say. Then eventually he, he got it. X, the 10th station of the cross. Jesus is stripped of his garments and this, uh, this poor nun who was sick nodded and he said the priest understood then and probably articulated to her so you feel you are like Christ you're being, you're being stripped of your faculties you're being pared down like our Lord you're sharing in his passion and she nodded very very decisively that's what she was trying to communicate that she was living the tenth station of the cross Um. Well, you and I, each in our own way, maybe that's a that's a bit of a dramatic example because it's somebody in their last their last stage of their life. But um, prayer transforms us, and it's in prayer that we discover the transformation that the Lord is bringing about in each one of us. So let's pray. Let's be people who pray with all our hearts, with all our hearts. Sometimes we think things should be going a lot better or why are things so difficult in the life of the world also in the life of the church and maybe we could remember that consideration of saint jose maria who used to say that well maybe if those of us who are friends of god prayed more maybe maybe the fact is that we still pray very little maybe that's true this is not to uh, make us feel guilty or burdened but rather encouraged to turn everything into prayer and to look after, I suppose, especially the moments of our own transfiguration, if you like, which are those periods before the Blessed Sacrament, the supreme transfiguration we experience in receiving Holy Communion when Christ converts us into him in a certain sense, our times before the tabernacle, 
or moments of mental prayer, of spiritual reading, of the rosary. They're transformative moments. Transformative for eternity, not just for the day that's in it, but for eternity. Let's pray more. The story is often told of a lady who one day asked Mother Teresa of Calcutta, St. Teresa of Calcutta, she said, Mother, how could I pray better? And the answer Mother Teresa was to, gave was two words. Pray more. Pray more. Holy Spirit, I ask you here and now for the grace to pray more. Why did our Lord lead these three closest apostles, you might say, with him up the mountain and, uh, and show him his glory like this? These three apostles who will also be called to accompany him in his lowest moment in Gethsemane. What our Lord does is very deliberate and is also revealing who God is. The understanding of the church in this regard is, is clear enough and it comes out in the liturgy and in the writings of the fathers of the church. Even in the liturgy of today's mass, if you look at the prayers and the preface, uh, we can see that the church understands this event of the transfiguration as like a preview of the glory of the resurrection. Jesus wants to console and strengthen in advance those who are going to find themselves in the midst of the most traumatic of traumas uh, during his passion. How thoughtful, Jesus, you are. How you think about us. How you love us. How you care for us. In this sense, the mystery of the transfiguration can also be seen as a revelation of the thoughtfulness of God who cares about our humanity, who knows that these three, if you like, leaders among the apostles are going to be shaken to their very souls by the ignominy of the passion. And therefore he has to try and strengthen them and build up their faith in advance of that. St. Teresa of Avila has that lovely phrase, a man can bear all things provided he has Jesus as his best friend. A man or a woman can bear all things, provided we have our Lord as our best friend. Surely she's speaking from experience. She had to bear a lot in her life. Our Thomas Aquinas, St. Thomas Aquinas, very simple but profound statement. Jesus Christ is our best and wisest friend. Est maxime sapiens et amicus. He is maximally, he is our best and wisest friend. Jesus, I believe this with all my heart, with all my soul, even though at times I mightn't feel it and I might be assailed by doubts of, do you care, Lord? Do you know? Do you really love me? Sometimes we can all have those thoughts which can cause us suffering. But that's the moment precisely to to renew our faith, to make an act of trust. Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus Christ is our best and our wisest friend. And we do, like we do see that thoughtfulness of God in, uh, in the transfiguration, undoubtedly. 
The transfiguration is immensely rich and we, as I said, <laughs> we could meditate on it forever really. Um, but perhaps another salient aspect is, uh, a really important aspect, is how the transfiguration shows the mystery of the Blessed Trinity because we are told that a cloud came and cast a shadow over them and then from the cloud came a voice that said this is my chosen son listen to him so there the cloud who in the old testament also is the shekinah it's called in the old testament that's like the the cloud that came upon the tent of meeting the tabernacle where god met, met the patriarchs and god meets his people the cloud symbolizes the holy spirit that would descend upon the shekinah when god was present so the cloud is the Holy Spirit. You, Lord Jesus, are the Son. And then there's the authoritative and loving voice of the Father. This is my chosen Son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Again, this is a revelation. God wants us to listen to him. This is also, I suppose, a consideration for our prayer life and our, and our life of presence of God, of contemplation. Am I a good listener? Do I truly listen to God? Am I listening to our Lord now? Or when I'm in the shops, doing the shopping, or when I'm fixing the car, or looking after my children, or my spouse, or when I'm playing football, or when I'm resting. And you know the way that even in those moments, and often in those moments, there's a little inspiration from the Lord, a little communication. Um, a resolution, an affection, an inspiration, as we say in the prayer after the meditation. Those little ways, gentle ways, with which um, God addresses us, respectful of our freedom, but at the same time urging us on. You know, do, do I listen to our Lord? Do I? This is my beloved son, listen to him. And Lord, if you are the fullness of revelation, if you are the word we need to hear, how much I need to listen to you. Holy Spirit, give me the strength and the wisdom to listen to Christ. Then there's in the Gospel a seemingly maybe unimportant little sentence at the end. After that dramatic and spectacular revelation of the Trinity and of the Sonship of Christ to the Father. We're told, after the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. So the whole thing withdraws. Heaven, as it well, folds itself up and withdraws. The theophany, you know, the divine revelation, recedes. And the apostles who have been overcome by this experience, they look up. They're probably cowering. They've covered their eyes. And they see Jesus alone. And this is very beautiful because that's how we see you, Jesus. We see you alone, without drama, without splendor. In all simplicity, Jesus, we see you in the sanctification of our daily lives. We see you in the bits and pieces of life. Today is the anniversary of the death in 1978 of St. Paul VI. He died on the Feast of the Transfiguration. And he had prepared 
uh, an Angelus address to give on that day, uh, but he died before he could give it. And in the Angelus address he had prepared, he says, the transfiguration of the Lord throws a dazzling light on our daily life and makes us turn to the immortal destiny which that fact foreshadows. Now, for those of us who are spiritual children of St. Jose Maria, or in some way share in the spirit of the work, those words are, are very evocative. The transfiguration of the Lord throws a dazzling light on our daily life. Jesus was found alone. That's how I find you, Jesus. Not really in any dazzling theophany, not in any splendor, not in any miracle. That's normally not how I find you. Yet I do find you, Lord, who are almighty God, who are all light, all holiness, all splendor. I find you in the most mundane, ordinary bits and pieces. Ordinary life, extraordinary grace. That's our path. That's the beauty of the charism, of the spirit, uh, which St. Maria channeled to the Church from the Holy Spirit. Let's ask St. Maria to help us to love this charism, which is to seize Christ, to Saviour, his presence, simple and sublime, in the ordinary. They found Jesus alone. Mother Mary, pray for us. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.